I know. conversation today. We're going to be talking about health advocacy, and we are lucky to have uh, Tiffany Matthews with us, and I'll introduce her in just a bit. But because we always get new listeners, I always like to just tell people a little bit about Alzheimer's Speaks. So bottom line, Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. We also help companies expand their brand footprint by leveraging uh, their content um, or our content to increase uh, access to product services and tools. And it's uh, it's just a really a fun, fun way to, to work together and to help raise Um, raise the appearance of services out there that are so badly needed. I also want to thank our audience because you guys are so loyal and um, you share our content all over the place. And because of that, you have gotten us recognized by Oprah, Maria Shriver, and Dr. Oz. And I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I say that to say a, a deep, sincere thank you. You know, the the more we can spread the word about Alzheimer's and dementia and caregiving um, and the needs that we have, um, the faster, you know, we're going to improve services and support and hopefully find a cure for the disease. So thank you so much. I encourage you while you're listening just to, again, go ahead and hit that like button. Um, go ahead and tweet an episode out. Um, feel free to subscribe and, and um, just get these to pop up and come to you. All of our shows are accessible uh, 24-7. So, and, and you can also join in the conversation today, too, by calling in at 323-870-4602. That's 232. No, it's not. It's 323-870. <laughs> Seven zero four three zero two. I'm just seeing if you're on your toes. I'm not dyslexic. <laughs> um, I also want to uh, always like to shout out to a few companies that I think are doing some really cool um, work and have some resources that would be um, wonderful for you to tap in. One is called the Roberto app. And it measures your brain function by playing some video games. And it's a great way to just kind of check and see how you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Or maybe you only want to do it once a week or once a month. It doesn't make any difference. Um, 
whatever is comfortable for you. But you may find that, you know, your scores aren't as high when you don't sleep um, as well or when you're not eating or exercising. Um, you'll start to see some patterns come into play. Also, if there are some um, true consistent cognition issues, you're going to see that too and want to get into the doctor for uh, further testing. I also want to give a shout out to the uh, women's Alzheimer's movement. Uh, that is Maria Shrivers. I just adore her. She is going to be having a big event this June, several of them around the country and actually into Europe uh, with Equinox um, fitness centers called Move for Mind. So look for more information on those. And and then I always like to give a shout out to, to um a company, Provalence, who is developing a new dementia resource directory, which is in beta testing right now. And you can access that on my website and learn more about it. Just go to alzheimerspeaks.com and then click on the resource tab. And I think you'll be fascinated with, with what is there. Um, you'll be able to uh, soon be able to share files and save files and geo searches um, to find lots of um, lots of tools and um, services for you. So, with no further ado, let's talk about some health advocacy uh, issues. I, I have with us today Tiffany Matthews, and she is the founder and CEO of Live Better Boomer. Um, known as LBB. She is a healthcare advocate, and through Tiffany's products and services, her mission really is to educate and empower patients and families and care partners um, in, in terms of how to manage care in a competent and correct fashion um, in our current health system. Her grandmother, um, really served as her inspiration. So we'll hear a little bit more about that from her. Welcome, Tiffany. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me. I really love your work and what you do. Oh, well, thank you. I, um, I You know, when I ran across you, I, I, uh, I thought, i got to have this woman on. Uh, this is such <laughs> a needed issue. I, I see people, you know, going to the doctors and, uh, a lot of times all by themselves and not having yeah. someone to advocate for them. And, and I know when when we're sick, it's it's hard to take everything in. And that extra set of ears and eyes is so critical, especially when you're talking medical procedures or medications and things. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you today about about your work. Um, I always ask every every guest of our show, um, just because we, you know, our focus is primarily dementia and, and caregiving. Um, have you been personally touched by family or friends um, with any form of dementia? Uh, not, um, fortunately, not in my family, but unfortunately through my work and a lot of the patients um, in hospitals and, you know, residents in nursing facilities where I worked and, you know, dementia, is just, oh my goodness, it's such destruction to a family. It just comes along and, you know, wipes everything away from them, even, you know, realizing who their loved ones are. And I can't think of a disease more devastating than dementia. 
I've seen it in action, and it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's not anything I would wish on on anybody, but I do think that there can be still with any um, any disease or chronic illness. Um, I, I think there can still be beauty of the relationship, and but it's teaching people how to how to get there and how to how to live right. in a relationship because it's so easy to get so task oriented when medical care is needed, um, especially when we're not taught um, how to do that. But but today, let's focus right. on on health advocacy. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit and our listeners a little bit about why you started Live Better Boomers? Well, my inspiration, as you said, um, comes from my grandmother. At the end of her life, she was in the hospital on a regular basis, and um, my family was helpless and powerless, as well as at a loss for what to do. So the business of healthcare will creep in. And when I say the business of healthcare, it's doctors pressuring families for quick decisions about, you know, massive issues. For example, doctors, you know, basically harassed my mom on a regular basis. Okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to put her on hospice or take off life support? Basically, in my experience, when facilities, um, you know, whether it be clinics or hospitals or providers, when they see that they can't basically get any more money out of you, mm-hmm. then it's time to do something. It's time to be discharged or it's time to basically pull the plug. And my mom was thrust into caregiving, no preparation, no type of, uh, you know, advanced directives or planning. She just, you know, went in head first. And mm-hmm. it was really devastating for her, not only to watch her mom basically become a shell, and I hate to use that term, but a shell of whom she, who she used to be, as well as, you know, having to deal with work and her own emotions and her own mentality. So it was the entire situation was devastating on our family. And there came a point where my mom needed help. And I felt so helpless in, you know, trying to be there for them because I lived 300 miles away. And Mm -hmm. I had a job and I couldn't just get away. So um, my mom called me and said, you know, I'm going to jump out of the nearest window that I see. I said, why? She says, well, they're trying to send your grandmother home with a trach in her throat. Um, she just had surgery. We need test results, all of these things. And the social worker is telling me she has to leave today. I said, Mom, please let me talk with the social worker, okay? Just go and get a cup of coffee. So mm-hmm. the social worker calls me and she says, well, you know, your grandmother's insurances won't pay anymore. I said, out of the three, which one? Because I know most people have maybe just one or two insurances, but my grandmother Mm -hmm. had three. So that was just basically bogus, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term. So I told the social worker, listen, if you send her home unsafely, you'll be liable for whatever happens. And I will call the appropriate authorities in to go through your files to make sure that you treated my grandmother with the utmost respect and dignity. I said, now, if you'd like that, you can have her leave today. 
mm-hmm. hung up. We hung up because I was just done with her. But my mom mm-hmm. called back and she said, what did you say to her? Did you threaten her? I said, no, mom. <laughs> I didn't threaten her. I just told her what she needs to do. And it got done. Their biggest fear as far as providers and staff in healthcare is someone that comes in and knows exactly what they're talking about and is willing to go forward with it. That's mm-hmm. why I said to myself, how many other people don't know this information or have been harassed, you know, for decisions or put out of the hospital before they were ready? People yep. need to be empowered. Patients must have the education and the preparation to go into healthcare to manage it effectively. That's oh, where I Liz Better totally, Boomer was born. I totally, totally agree. Um, why do you think patient advocacy is important to the, the healthcare system itself? What, what, because I think a lot of times they, you know, people can view it as a threat or an uncomfortable situation, but how do you see it as really helping the healthcare system as a whole? Well, it's kind of, um, let me put this analogy to it. If I was in my home and, um, okay, let's say in my apartment building, you can only have one pet, okay? Mm-hmm. But if I have three pets, anytime someone knocks on my door, I'm going to be alarmed a little bit, you know? And if they come mm-hmm. in wanting to see how many pets I have, I'm going to be, well, that's not, I'm going to act like, well, that's not your business. You can't just walk in here. I'm going to have all kinds of things to say to keep them from finding out what's going on. Mm -hmm. Healthcare is the exact same way. It's the exact same way. There are things that people need to know that is, that are happening, but they aren't privy to. And I've been that healthcare insider who sat in those meetings and said, okay, this lady has to leave. Well, she doesn't have any clothes. Put her out in blankets. I've been a party to that and it made my skin crawl. Patient advocacy is vital in the system right now because there's no one looking out for patients. Even the nursing Mm -hmm. navigators and the managers and all these fancy terms you have for a patient advocate in the system, you have to follow the money. Their paycheck comes from a facility or that healthcare Mm -hmm. system. So that's who their allegiance is to. I am Mm -hmm. a private advocate. So my allegiance is to the patient. There are not many of us out here. You know, many of us come mm-hmm. from healthcare backgrounds and want patients to be empowered, but they don't in the system because once you're empowered, your crap has to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's spooky stuff, um, and it <laughs> always seems to happen. I mean, it it always seems to be in that crisis mode, too, where emotions are high and, you know, it's it's just extremely difficult um, to maneuver. And especially for people who don't appreciate and don't like conflict, um, it can just be absolutely horrible for them to think that they're going to stand up. And, um, you know, and they're like, well, what if they don't do it? Are they going to treat my loved one worse? You know, are they going to get mad? Right. Is there going to be repercussions? Um, right. And it's like, 
what a what a horrible reason to not step up. I mean, I understand right. it, but to be put in that position of of trying to figure that out. I know um, I ran into a situation with my my own father, um, who at the time had cancer, and he he was doing really good. And we we went home, and um, the next morning we came in, and and he was like a whole different person. And as we were there for about a, a about an hour period, he just kept slipping, slipping, slipping. And I kept telling the nurse, something's wrong, something's wrong. And um, she's like, he's fine, he's fine. And finally, I just got in her face and I said, he needs an MRI. There's something going on internally with him. This is not my dad. I said, he's going to die. I, I can see it. He's just right. he was slipping away. Um, and he got to the point where he really couldn't even talk. He was having a hard time keeping his eyes open. Um, it, oh. it was just bizarre. And she refused to call the doctor. And I said, we need to get the doctor. And, and she's like, well, he's not available. I said, then get somebody else up here. And she wouldn't. So I went to the patient advocate in the hospital. And thank God I did. And, you know, within, an, I would say, a half an hour, they had another doctor up there who looked at the chart and said, oh, my God, thank God you called because the original doctor had um, somehow taken him off a, a critical medication cold turkey. And he, he basically oh said his, his brain, brain would have exploded because it was to keep the swelling down in his brain. And this doctor gave him oh. a shot. And in 20 minutes, my dad was up watching the football or the basketball game with my brothers and laughing and totally back to himself. <laughs> but it was it was and like and it was so uncomfortable to have to get that because I was angry. I mean, I was angry. It was like you're going down, lady, because you someone in this hospital is going to listen to me, you know, or there's going to be all the pain. And and <laughs> I, but I don't you know I don't like getting like that. And but but I had Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, was, and, and oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was I was just going to say I was so thankful that they had a, pas- a, a patient advocate in the hospital. And my understanding is, um, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but once there's a report, they have to act. They they're not there to to take the side one way or the other. They have to take action. Um, and, oh, they absolutely and, do. And I they think do. a lot they, of times they absolutely people, do. Yeah, and I think a lot of times people think that, um, well, you know, they're just going to kind of give me the runaround, and that's not their role. Their role is to get to the bottom of it and get to it quickly um, in, to avoid liability um, in, in the situation. And, yes. you know, the last thing you want to do is, is end up in a situation where you are then suing because, it, you know, for mispractice or whatever it is, because um, that doesn't do your – that doesn't do you any good. You know, the damage is done right. at that right. point. So, and so the last thing that any health system wants to do is lose money. Profits yeah. are more important than patients, sadly. You know, mm-hmm. and when I say all of these things, it's not as if I do that I'm against providers. I'm not against healthcare systems. We need them. Mm-hmm. What I am encouraging is a partnership. Patients and caregivers have to step up to their role in the partnership in order to facilitate better out- outcomes for patients. You know, for example, 
you with your dad, had you not stood up, I, I would believe that you would shudder at what could have happened to him. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing. No person should be afraid of retribution when you see something that critical happening to your loved one. And retribution is against the law. It is mm-hmm. against the law. You have to be able to um, understand that, go in with the mentality that you deserve the best care, and so do your loved ones, and make it so that that happens through partnership. However, mm-hmm. like you did, there are some times where you have to get tough because yeah. people in the healthcare system, they believe that they know pretty much how all diseases manifest themselves in people, but people mm-hmm. are different. And that's where yeah. the patients and caregivers come in. They're the expert on themselves and their situation. Doctors, nurses, they're the experts on medicine. There has to be a meeting of minds in, for optimal outcomes. But a lot yep. of doctors really don't want to hear that. And as far as the healthcare system, my grandmother, she had absolutely the craziest saying for everything. So she always told me, and I didn't get it until I got my own apartment. She said, Tiffany, if your house is always clean, you never have to worry about when company comes. If you're doing things in healthcare by the book and doing your best by each patient, you shouldn't have to worry about if someone has a complaint. You know what mm-hmm. you're doing. You know? Yeah. You great practice, great, you know, patient relations. You shouldn't have to worry about it. But I've run into some egotistical doctors and they're the ones that refuse to accept any patient input. And if patients have a doctor like that, it may be time to find a new one. Yeah. You know, their health and their treatment is top priority. Not anyone's feelings, not anyone's concerns or fear of retribution. I just want mm-hmm. everyone to have the best care possible. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's a good point, too, that if you're, if you're not syncing with your doctor or the doctor's team, you know, that can be addressed. You have every right to go ahead and address that and, you know, look, look you know, change. Look for another doctor. Look for another clinic um, if that's Absolutely. the case. Because it, because if you're not comfortable, um, you're not going to get great care because you're not going to probably be forthcoming in terms Absolutely. of what your needs are. So right. you have to be able I've to never... have that. Oh, go ahead. If you're, if you're not comfortable with the doctor because that doctor has spoken down to you or condescended to you or, you know, been aggressive with you, the relationship won't work. That partnership that you form with your provider will ultimately determine which way your health care will go and which way mm-hmm. your actual health will go. For example, yeah. I had a doctor in the past. He knew absolutely everything. I could rattle off a couple of symptoms. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And he was wrong on two occasions and medicated mm-hmm. me for something that I didn't have. So mm-hmm. it was time for, to leave him because he mm-hmm. didn't care about my health. He, he seemed to care about his opinion being out there, and that was it. 
You know, that's, yeah, that's dangerous. It's, and it's very frustrating. Very, Absolutely. very frustrating. And it's not Absolutely. it's not a it's not a a good relationship. I mean, you really need to have some type of respectful, you know, open relationship with with your doctor and with your clinician. Absolutely. In order in order to get good care. And so as honest as we want them to be, we have to be too. Right. You know, in right. in disclosing things that might be uncomfortable or you know, maybe some things aren't, you don't even think they're related, but sometimes they are. And so it's it's good to let the the medical professional hear those things. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough, tough, tough call. What types of services and products do you provide um, for people? Well, I work with um, different audiences. I work with individuals, families, and caregivers. And for them, I have, um, you know, coaching calls where you can get on the phone with me and we can go over your situation and you have, you know, personal access to me and my experience, as well as um, what I've put together is called the Powerful Patient Partner Program. And within that uh, program, I've, you know, set up 20 different modules of learning. And it can mm-hmm. be about things like hospital stays, mm-hmm. advanced directives, fall prevention, and how to advocate for yourself, to name a few, that show people, okay, these are the actionable steps I need to take. This is what I need to learn. I even have a behavioral component for people who don't believe that they deserve the best care or that believe, like my grandmother did, that whatever the doctor says is the gospel. That's not true. You know, they do know yeah. medicine, but it, it may not work for you. So mm-hmm. I'm teaching people many, many different things in, in the Powerful Patient Partner Program to make sure that they can manage their care confidently and effectively while saving money, time, and stress. And I'm working on some digital products and a membership site so that people that may not be ready for the program come in and they can still get good information about advocacy and what to do and how to do and questions to ask. You know, I want everybody to be equipped with what they need going forward in this disjointed, ineffective system and Mm -hmm. to come out a winner. You know, I truly believe had someone gone with my grandmother to doctor's appointments, she may still be alive. She definitely Mm -hmm. would have lived longer. So I'm out here trying to change minds and save lives through advocacy. Mm -hmm. And as far as businesses and nonprofits and organizations, I um, have an a la carte list of services such as consulting or care planning or um, working with, you know, individual employees to hammer out what their issues are that prevent them from working effectively. I put together different programs for businesses. I'm working on one uh, with a home health care agency now so that within that system, patients have more power and more say. Education and preparation is key if you're going to advocate for yourself. 
You have to know what to do, how to do, when to do. And mm-hmm. companies and nonprofits can say, while empowering people, can save a lot of money on their healthcare dollars. So I'm all for speaking with CEOs, HR managers, and my goal is just to make sure everyone is empowered and goes out there and uses their power so healthcare can change permanently for the better. Good. I um I love your passion in terms of this and I and I love that you're um you kinda of remind me of me in some ways because you know, I was always told well, you have to kind of pick a lane and you're you're kind of the same mode as I am. Everybody has to get on the same page and not be afraid of patient advocacy, no matter what end they're on, if they're giving it or if they're receiving it. Um, they need Absolutely. to under, understand the power and the benefits to both sides, um, you know, to have a respectful right. conversation and not just listen, but, but really hear what someone is asking for and what they feel the needs are. And and I think right. that, that is really, really critical. Um, and yet still Absolutely. isn't done you know, to the level it probably, probably should be. Um, we, we talked right. about people you're, you're trying to help. Have you gotten into, been able to, or, or maybe you haven't even thought about this, getting into even the medical schools to explain this angle? I, I just think it would be really cool for like the nursing staff and the doctors to have an idea of why this is so important um, to them. I haven't really thought about medical schools. I have thought about nursing facilities. I have thought about hospital systems. But you're right. That needs to be a part of their thinking when they're ready to practice. You know, Mm -hmm. what's best for the patient? Is this decision I'm making patient-centered? You know, um, a lot of times, People just go along with their job as a provider and don't really factor in patients like they should, or they mm-hmm. have a horrible bedside manner, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm as a chronic patient myself, I'm speaking from experience, it is difficult to try and advocate for yourself at that point, but that determines a need for a proxy or And when I say proxy, a friend, a relative, you know, someone to come in and say, okay, she wouldn't have wanted that, you know, Mm -hmm. and she would communicate that to you if she could. Um, I think it's of major vital importance to have a proxy, someone to speak for you if you can't. Um, And make sure that you keep your health care power even when you can't communicate it. I know I got off on a little tangent there, so (laughs) I'm sorry. But, yes, medical schools, you know, this should be an integral part of their training, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And you've given me a new idea. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I I think sometimes we don't um, – our our school can be so academic and so task oriented that we forget about the relationships and who we're actually serving and the dynamics of those and how to communicate within those. And, and that to me is really the key, you know, to good service and uh, to good medical care. And, and not that you don't want, you know, a, a good doctor who knows the technical side, but, 
man, they can alleviate so much stress um, in a family right. if if they can communicate well, which then reduces, Absolutely. you know, um, some other significant kind of spinoff um, illnesses that can occur or symptoms that can occur that people are dealing with. Um, because right. stress, well, you know what stress does. It's just not a, not a good thing. Um, Absolutely not. And I no. agree with you that communication is vital as well with providers, but providers have the duty of making that patient comfortable with them. If you're in mm-hmm. a practice and you want customers, to, because basically that's what patients are, you mm-hmm. have to provide the correct customer service, and then mm-hmm. you'll have a thriving practice, you know, yep. but we do, they do get lost. And, you know, in defense of providers, they have a lot more work put on them since managed care reared its head, you know, mm-hmm. paperwork and this and that and quotas. And we're not quotas. We're, we're people, you know, yep. and we need assistance if we're at the doctor. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, a lot of it comes from insurance and how it works. And that's a whole other phone call we could get into. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I kind of like nowadays, and a lot of times when I go to the doctors, the doctor's actually talking to me, and then there's the nurse or someone inputting the information into the file, so they're not multitasking. I have found that really very helpful um, right. to be able to have their full attention um, while I'm there, and also just to have that extra set of ears and eyes, even though they're not in um, on your side and taking notes um, specifically for you, you could probably ask the doctor for those notes that they inputted. I would imagine that they could print those right. out. And, um, well, I've had that too. And when I've taken notes at the doctor, he said, oh, no need to take notes. We'll put it all on here for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that is convenient. That way I can pay attention to me. And the doctor can pay attention to me, and I can pay attention to them as well. You know, everybody's attention is in the right place. And even, you know, patients that don't have access to a doctor like that and don't have anyone to go with them, everyone's got Mm -hmm. a cell phone these days. Record it. Mm -hmm. Record it and or document everything that's happening and gone on. Because it mm-hmm. may end up being something that you have to refer to in the future. Yep. So I encourage yep. documentation for everyone in becoming an active and strong patient, a powerful patient. Yep. Well, that's, um, yeah, that's good. Um, now, do you do any speaking or, or training publicly uh, to people, or do you do contract only to specific businesses? Oh, no, I'm willing to, you know, come to any organization or business or nonprofit and do a workshop in the beginning, um, you know, and speak with them about maybe further services. But I just want everyone to know that this is possible and it's out there and there are people to help you, you know, mm-hmm. get through healthcare, whether it's a new diagnosis or um, you're, you have a chronic condition or, you know, you were thrust into caregiving. Yesterday you weren't a caregiver and today you are. You know, mm-hmm. that could be alarming for a lot of people. 
But I, you know, going out, I, I speak to um, senior centers. I've spoken to churches. I have absolutely no problem doing that for anyone anywhere, whether it's live or virtual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay. with businesses, you know, I do contract uh, work as well where I will do speaking there too. So I just want people to be educated and informed. Okay. Okay. And then um, as far as do you do like one-on-one coaching and then group coaching as well, or how does that work? Well, group coaching is a little bit down the road. I'm going to be um, really planning that out in 2019. But as far Mm -hmm. as one-on-one coaching right now, I'm offering um, care planning where someone could be in a situation and not know which way to turn. Um, I could speak with them, map out a plan of care for them that they can do themselves or I can do for them. And, uh, again, I have my coaching calls where, um, you know, uh, patients or caregivers or veterans or parents of uh, disabled children can book a time with me um, for a fee and we'll go over what's happening and basically kind of do the same thing but without a map. Mm-hmm. Okay. But everyone, you know, will have access to me and, um, you know, my experience and, you know, we can figure out what's going on and where they need to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's I I wanted to know um, if you can let the listeners know where you're located and if you um, just serve local or if you if you'll go um, national um, in terms of coaching and things. Well, right now um, I'm in the Philadelphia area, and mm-hmm. mainly I'm trying to do you know work with companies and do FaceTime there but I have no problem speaking with anyone nationally because Mm -hmm. people don't just need help in Philadelphia. They need it everywhere. So if I can be of service to someone and help them with their situation or put together a program for employees that are missing work or stressed out or not focused, and if that's in Boise, Idaho, fine, no problem. Mm -hmm. You know, I um, have the availability to, you know, do that for anyone, whether it's virtually or um, in person. Okay. Okay, great. Is there any other information that um, you'd like to share with our audience that we haven't covered? Oh, we don't have like three more hours because I'd love (laughs) to get into it. But, you know, I just want people to really understand that they deserve the best care possible between insurance premiums, co-pays, co-insurance, and deductibles. Don't you think you deserve that? And mm-hmm. make sure that your health care is your number one priority. If you're no good to yourself, this includes caregivers, definitely. If you're no mm-hmm. good to yourself, you're going to be no good for anyone else. You have to be yeah. good to yourself first. You know, yeah, that's, and that's absolutely, very true. Go ahead. Absolutely, no, that's absolutely very true. And a lot of times we don't we don't think about that stuff. You know, we don't think right. about we're too busy caring for everyone else. There's not enough time 
for us, and and that's a big piece. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and just to know that it is possible to get better care, but you have to be educated and prepared for it. And I'm more than willing to help, you know, people that need help in a crisis situation or that just want to know what to do and when and how, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to just get people ready for the battle that is healthcare right now. It's, yep. it's horrendous. And I'll use this last analogy. If you went to a restaurant and you ordered a steak and you got a pork chop, wouldn't you say something about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. They, people for sure. need to use that same attitude with their health care because your health care mm-hmm. is more important than a steak. Yeah, that's Absolutely. for sure. Yeah, you can, get a, you can get another steak, but you can't always get your health back. You know, once exactly. it's uh, taken a turn on you. So, yeah, very, yes. very important. Well, Absolutely. Tiffany, this, this has been an interesting conversation. And um, why don't we tell people how they can uh, reach you? Um, I believe your website, and correct me if I'm wrong, is lbbhealthcareadvocacy.com. That's lbb healthcareadvocacy.com. You're also on Facebook, and I believe your group there is the Caregiver and Patient Protection Project. So if they just put that in the search bar. Um, Caregiver and Patient Protection Project, you'll be able to um, get to Tiffany on Facebook. And then did you want to give out a phone number? Sure, absolutely. Uh, My telephone number is 215-260-7782. Again, 215-260-7782. And I'm happy to talk with you um, and let you know how I can help you. And um, just I'm ready to serve people that really need the help and want to make a better effort for their care and, you know, basically find out what they need to do to help themselves Mm -hmm. have the best care possible. Yeah. So, yeah, reach me. Nice nice to have somebody who understands what you're going through. Because even I, I know sometimes with family, you can talk to people and they're out of the loop and they don't, like, get the urgency or the crisis that you're feeling is, is impending because you're the primary, you know, uh, care partner and, or they're not seeing all of the symptoms and things that are happening or they weren't at the, at the doctor's office to um, see the interactions, whatever it is, they're a little bit removed. And, and that can make a, a big difference. Not that, you know, anybody can fix your life, but they can support you through it and guide you through it to make it a little bit easier. And, um, right. and that, absolutely. And that just makes such a huge, huge difference there. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And again, you can uh, get a hold of Tiffany Matthews uh, through her website. That's lbbhealthcareadvocacy.com. Or you can call her at 215-260-7782. Or check her out on Facebook, just in the search bar, put in caregiver and Patient Protection Project. 
and she will get back to you. Thank you for your work. Appreciate you sharing it with us. In wrapping up today, I am just going to um, announce that if you are in Colorado, I am going to be out there early June. I'll be posting some information on my website uh, today on the homepage. I'm kind of doing a, a tour of various places. Um, but again, I want to say it's June 4th to the 11th, 10th or 11th, I'm going to be out there um, doing quite a few different presentations. And then I also wanted to give a shout out to the American Senior Magazine. Um, they are a lifestyle magazine for seniors with topics ranging from nostalgia and health and wellness to interviews, and they also spotlight notable older Americans. And I love it because they got big prints, and I don't even have to put my glasses on to read it. And um, it's just a <laughs> it's a nice kind of fun uh, magazine to receive. I believe it comes out quarterly. And if you go to alzheimerspeaks.com on our homepage, I think you'll see an ad there that you can go ahead and um, get a discount on. And then I also want to remind people if they're looking for a memory cafe, you can go to memorycafedirectory.com. That's memorycafedirectory.com. And the last one I'm going to shout out to is the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. Uh, if you're looking for a holistic approach, um, diet, exercise, meditation, please check them out. Just go to Alzheimer's Prevention dot org with that have a blessed day and um, we'll talk soon bye now everyone hi this is suzanne newman host of the answers for elders podcast and radio show We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.